So here we are. How excited are we to get to talk to Adam and Eddie today? I am so excited. Right? I love Once Upon a Time. It's amazing. It's, it's the best. Okay, while we wait, tell me one LA thing that you did this week. Oh Quick, my god! Say okay. it. Don't think. Um, you know what I did? What'd you do? It was it was amazing. Tell me. I went to this burlesque <gasps> show. Burlesque downtown called Look, Tease. If little you Camille. Time you believe? <laughs> I saw lots of tassels oh and lots of other stuff. Oh my too. god! I know. It was amazing. I don't know. That sounds that sounds very sexy. It was very <laughs> sexy. They yeah. have a Valentine's Day show too. Oh. So all you uh, people out there. I think I might need to check this out. (laughs) Adam, how old were you when you first moved to L.A.? I was 22 years old. Okay. And Eddie, how old were you? 22. Yeah. And uh, Adam, did you know anyone when you first came? I knew Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess Eddie, uh, is that the same answer? Uh, I knew Adam, and um, I knew about three or four people from uh, college. Okay. Did you have much money when you first came to L.A.? Uh, I did not. I (laughs) I just had a bunch of dreams and $500, I think, uh, saved up. (laughs) Right. What about you? Same same. Yeah, I saved up a little. I had, uh, I remember, delivered pizzas in college to try to make a little money before we moved out, but Uh didn't really have a whole whole lot. Uh Uh-huh. And, Adam, where did you live when you first got here? Um, Eddie and I were roommates. Uh-huh. Uh, we got, we shared an apartment, um, just off Robertson, like, um, down around Wilshire. Um, Arnaz. Arnaz. Right? Uh-huh. Um, Adam, what was your initial impression of LA when you first got here? Well, I'm from New York, so there was a lot more driving involved than I was uh-huh. used to. It was pretty big and spread out. Uh-huh. Eddie, what about you? What was your first impression? Um, I was just really excited my whole life I'd wanted to move there and work in Hollywood so uh for me it was just this sense of accomplishment of like just moving there was enough yeah yeah Yeah. that's great I I did it feeling yeah how wonderful yeah Adam how many years of living here did it take before you started to feel like this was your home oh about (laughs) I you know I'd say it was probably three or four years before like I, I really got used to it. Yeah, probably around then I would say. Yeah, Eddie, same question. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't really think I looked at it as a home until I got married. Uh huh. Um, up until yeah. then, it was the place I worked, yeah. and Minneapolis was my home, and then yeah. it switched. Yeah. yeah. Eddie, if you had to sum up LA in one word, what would that word be? <laughs> um. One word yeah. in L.A., uh, dream catcher. <laughs> I love that. It's great. Oh, my gosh. Adam, what about you? What's the one word you would use to sum up L.A.? It's a word, but seasonless. It, feels like it's <laughs> seasonless. it definitely feels that way right now. Yeah. Kitsis and Adam Horowitz cut their teeth on shows like Popular and Felicity and joined the writing staff of Lost during its first year. In 2006, they won WGA awards for their work on the show, and over the course of its six-season run, they earned multiple Emmy, WGA, and PGA nominations and were honored by the American Film 
Institute in 2009. For the final two seasons, they served as executive producers while simultaneously writing the hit feature film Tron Legacy. After Lost, the two immediately began the development process on a pilot that would become their first primetime creation, Once Upon a Time. In 2013, they expanded their storytelling universe with ABC's Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and most recently, they co-created the summer camp thriller anthology, Dead of Summer for Freeform. We're so excited to be talking to Adam and Eddie today. Welcome. You guys were so excited to yeah. have you here. We're really big fans of the show. Yeah. And, um, Thank you. Many, Thank you. many of our members are huge, huge fans, and it's it's a fantastic show. So yeah, we're, thanks we're thrilled to be here, and thanks for, thanks for doing this. We're happy yeah. to be here. Thank you. I would love to start sort of at the beginning and just ask you guys about um, how you came together as a team. We we talk a lot, you know, with our members, with subscribers about how important it is to find your people. And, to, and you guys obviously did that at a young age. And I just love to know, like, did it like was it one day at college? One of you was like, we should work together. You know, like, how did that happen? It was it was more drawn out. Um, mm-hmm. We were both in a film class, um, mm-hmm. intro to film production. And it was a Saturday at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Uh, in the deep of winter, and I was working on what was, I, I mean, I knew it at the time was a masterpiece. <laughs> and uh, all five minutes of it was a masterpiece. I'm sure and, it was. Um, I sat down and I went, this was Super 8 when you, you actually worked on a film. This was the 90s. And uh, I looked in the viewfinder, and no matter what I did, my film came upside down. So I turned to the guy next to me and I said, Hey, man, is yours broken? <laughs> And I looked over at him, and I reached over, and I flipped the film over. He threaded it in backwards. So, so I was like, this oh guy's got something. Um, Adam was less enthused because I had asked him to partner up on the next project, a video documentary. And I said, no. You don't know how to thread a moviola. I'm not sure we should be working together. And that, so, that's fair, though. That, to be fair, I, I was a bad first impression. So, so that summer, we were both interns in Los Angeles, and I was driving, and I had my Thomas guide, oh my but God, I Thomas just figured guide. Robertson had to hit Sunset. Yeah. So I was looking for Robertson oh. on Sunset and not understanding between Doheny and Beverly Hills where the hell it was. So I pulled over to the side, and as I pulled over to the side to whip out the Thomas guide, a bus pulls up. And I, I'm... Getting off the bus, I was working in an internship at uh, a talent agency, Abrams Artists, uh-huh. and um, and I didn't. I was from New York. I didn't really know I needed a car as much as I did, and I was staying in a friend's couch in Venice and taking a bus from Venice to Beverly Hills, and I just happened to get off the bus as he was pulled over, no and way. he saw me. And so I start amazing. honking, and I'm like, "Hey, guy from class, <laughs> where's Robertson?" Oh what? my god! Um, but That's it turned an yeah. Story. And what's crazier was that we were both in a UCLA screenwriting class, and then we got in there. We both realized we were in that together, and we Adam eventually moved into a sublet, and so did I. That was on the same street on Gailey. All not planned. The All not planned. planned. No, yeah. they, the, universe the universe was forcing was us, together. us together. Yeah, That's so then, crazy. Yeah. So we started writing together that summer when we were taking the class at UCLA, and then we went back to Madison. And finished out at Wisconsin. We, just, we did a we did a um, we did a public access show uh, mm-hmm. for uh, a dentist in town and two local comedians <laughs> in Madison that our, our TV professor hooked us up with. But that was our intro into writing 
writing together. Yeah. That's wow. So did you guys both, I mean, obviously individually know that LA was eventually where you wanted to mm-hmm. go? Yeah. God, that's amazing. Yeah, my whole, my whole life, I think. You knew. Your whole well, life. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, so... Mm-hmm. You know, um, getting out of winter was a, was a draw, mm-hmm. but it to me it was I wanted to work in movies, and movies were Hollywood, and that's that's just where it was. Yeah. yeah, you know. When did you guys feel like in that time period you just worked well together? Like this was. I think when we got back after that Never. summer. Never. <laughs> it know. hasn't started think, yet. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it was just we were young and innocent and we didn't know any better, so we started to learn it together. So, yeah. you know, usually you would read, the, you, the first thing you do is you get the Sid Field book and you write your first screenplay. And mm-hmm. We did all those things together, so there, I don't think there was really, it wasn't like we both came into it with screenplays we'd written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just sort of figuring it out together and it's like learning on the go. And we still are. You know, it's we're still trying to figure it out. Don't think you ever can. Uh huh. I I think you guys have figured it out. We faked it very well. So I don't know well. if I have this quite right in terms of the timeline, mm. but you were working on Lost together, yes. right? And and then. Is that when you started having the idea for Once Upon a Time? It was actually no. before was that. Before. We had the idea now almost 16 or 17 years ago. It was, wow, 15? I don't know. It was. We I don't think we need to do math here. It was <laughs> less than 20, more than 10. But um, we, we had been working on a show called Felicity. Which, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Um, of course. And, and it was a project. Show. And Eddie and I had joined the show during its final season. And when that show ended, we started to think about, like, what we would want to do, what kind of show we would want to write, and th- that's when the idea was Yeah, so we, we had the idea, and it, it really all just started with, you know, how frustrating it would be to be the evil queen, because nothing you do ever works because of those stupid happy endings. I mean, you get a working <laughs> oven inside a gingerbread house, and the witch can't kill two kids. So we like that as a metaphor for Hollywood, which is you're so close to it, but it's so yeah. far away. And it's so we, our agent loved the idea, and... A, we didn't know a lot of these things were Disney to begin with, um, because most of it Snow White is public domain, but Grumpy is not, or Jiminy Cricket. And we ended up pitching it, and we were young writers coming off Felicity, and we had an ensemble cast genre with kids and dogs and wolves and fairies, (laughs) and everybody passed and then, wow. um, yeah, oh, wow. so That's crazy. we were young and it was new and no one had done anything like it. Yeah. So then what happened was we got to Lost, which was an ensemble cast that mm-hmm. was genre that oh, was crazy, yeah. Yeah. that won Emmys. And so when we were done with that, they said, do you guys have any big ideas? <laughs> and, then, and we said this one. Yeah. So they were oh willing to take a chance on it then, which is, you know, you I have mean, to wait it, for timing. It's, it's, wow. it is about timing, but it was an idea we loved and we just, it didn't leave our head the whole time. And we would talk about it from time to time and, and keep mulling it over. So when Lost ended and ABC was kind enough to ask if we had any ideas, we pitched them that and we made the pilot. And then from there, it's kind of. There was season seven, yeah. yeah. I, my husband's a writer. And so I've seen him write so many scripts and then have everything passed on or have it passed on and then you I think the tendency is to get so discouraged Mm. and then have all this stuff buried Mm -hmm. and feel like ah that one sucks you know I'm not gonna but I love that you guys you know recognized that like let's try let's try that one again I think that's a lesson in so many things you know artistically to like not just because something doesn't work, like you said, the timing. Just because, yeah, you yeah. have to you have to love it. You know, I think yeah. sometimes people write things because they think it'll sell. And yeah, those tend to not uh, sell because it's pretty obvious your passion isn't into it. But if you have an idea that you really, really love and you really believe in, 
Then wait for wow. it. Forrest Gump took 10 years. Stranger yeah. Things was passed on by yeah, everyone. Yeah, Rocky, I think. Yeah, so, so it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, sometimes you just have to wait for the right person to read it because unlike Wall Street where it's fact, you either made money in stocks yeah. or you lost. Here yes. you just have to find the powerful opinion that says yes. That's great. That is, yeah, a, yeah that is great. You guys have known each other for such a long time, for over 25 years, and we'd love to just know how you manage your creative partnership in terms of like, was there ever a time or times where one of you was offered something or one of you thought about, no, I love it. I love the immediate wish, shaking of yeah, that. I wish you could see um, or that, like, I mean, we've been, a, we've been writing one together. person since yeah. 1994, <laughs> so we were yeah. signed. I mean, it would be, it's, it's, it's unusual with writing teams. To, 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 to kind of split, be yeah. split up. And, I mean, sometimes yeah. running teams themselves will split up, but we've been treated as a unit. That's how we've sort of presented ourselves and how we've always worked together. We really don't know any other way to do yeah. it. Just, yeah, so it would be very aggressive for someone to be like, I just want Adam. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although my wife tried that. <laughs> she lost, so she shares, shares Adam with me. She's, she's the mistress. Yeah. What happens if one of you has an idea that the other one doesn't love? So, like, I imagine if you get an idea for a script, you go, you immediately before you start writing it, you go to the other one and say, "Hey, I think it's you know, just kind of work it out." I, I think it, 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 that brings up sort of a larger thing about just Hollywood in general, which yeah. is. It's all a collaboration, like yeah. whether you're you know, making a film or a television show or whatever, it's collaboration because it takes a million people to make anything. So for the two of us, we're just, I think, naturally collaborative, and it's got to be something that sparks both of us. So if the idea excites both of us, then we know, like, this is the one to do. We usually yeah. sit on an idea we like, too, uh-huh. so it's usually very rarely it's full-formed. Full it's a notion, mm-hmm. and then if the other one sparks to it, it just starts to be something that's talked about. Yeah. Right, because it's, it's rarely like an idea appears fully formed and this is it. What the, the more likely scenario would be is one of us would say, you know, what if something or other, and then the other one, if it sparks something, says what if this, and then the what ifs go back and forth until things start to gel. And if they don't go back and forth, then we're not really yeah. pursuing something that's interesting or bearing fruit for us. Yeah, yeah. Is one of you more, like, do you feel like you you each have your, like, is one more um, the story person and one's more character? Or do you, how do you split up your writing? Like, I think do it's, you... it's, 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 it's less about, like, Eddie's good with vowels and I'm good with consonants. Yeah. More <laughs> like, you know, we pick up the slack for the other. If one day, like, I'm really focused on the macro on something, Eddie will see, like, the tiny detail that we're missing or vice versa. Yeah. I think we just kind of move depending on the project and where we are in it. And each of our brains will be on something and the other one tends to then form to complement it. Yeah. Well, even the way you guys just described meeting each other, I felt like was a perfectly choreographed story (laughs) with the right time frame and places you came in. So um, I'm curious a little bit about the casting of Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time. So it's filmed in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, and so do you cast out of L.A.? Do you pull guest star roles so, primarily? How does that work? I mean, with within each episode, it's there's a uh, we're budgeted for a few guest star roles out of L.A., okay. and then 
the rest are cast locally. So it's a combination. Okay. We do casting down in LA, and then we, we have a casting director down here and one up in Vancouver, and they all work together. But for the pilot, you know, it's a, that's a different kind of casting yeah. than like a weekly casting because mm-hmm. there's the difference between Hot Dog Vendor 1 mm-hmm. and Snow White. Um, <laughs> right, right. So when we wrote the pilot, we wrote it with, um, for Jennifer Goodwin in mind, is Snow White. We loved Big Love. Mm-hmm. And we were oh, just like, she, wonderful. as Marjean, mm-hmm. we're like, Marjean is Snow White. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we had loved Robert Carlyle ever since we saw him in Train Spotting, mm-hmm. and we wanted to get him on Lost, and we he was just never available. So we were really loved the idea of him being Rumpelstiltskin because mm-hmm. the idea of Rumpel was always he was kind of rock and roll, yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. David Bowie meets Keith Richards, and that was Bobby. Um, and so we had them in mind, and then you know for the Evil Queen, it was you know Lana just came in and just just in the one audition scene she had we knew it was her like it was just it was it was just you felt it so normally like when you're casting a pilot you'll you'll see a lot of people and you'll narrow it down and then you'll bring three people to network Mm -hmm. and then run the screen test and then discuss it amongst you know all the executives in the case of lana when she read it was just like this is it and it was a rare case where you just bring one person and everybody saw her like this is this is the person. She was the only person that went to the network. Yeah, for her yeah. For, for her role. Wow. Yeah. So um, you know, That's so it's really... it's it varies, but but I think kind of the, the larger part of it is you, you have when you're doing a pilot, you know, however many series regular roles, and I think it was like seven or eight on once, and that was all done out of L.A. And some of them were offers like Eddie explained, like we wrote it with. Jennifer mm-hmm. mine. And, and lucky they said yes. yes. And then, oftentimes you write it for someone and they say, well, no. Right. And, and, <laughs> right. And no, like, I don't do that. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we, I remember we had to we had to Skype with Bobby and he was in Glasgow. Yeah, to pitch that was frightening. Role. And it was someone we had looked oh. up to for a long time and really wanted to work with. And we were that thrilled. Was, yeah, and, we were like, act professional. You look like an adult. You look like an adult. He's not going to come over here for two kids. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Tell us, you know, we've we've heard that before about an actor that comes in and there's just something special. Is there anything about that specialness that you can kind of specifically describe? It's it's hard to say. You know, sometimes it's like when you when you see Lana do the Queen, you realize no one else could do the Queen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it's was kind like, of she just every once in a while there's the role that somebody gets, and it's like see, I've I've, I've thought about this a lot, and here's my my thinking on it, which is like it's. Often, when actors come in, sometimes you feel like they're really trying to, you know, hit what you're thinking in your head, which 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 is fine. And like you, as a writer or producer, have an idea of what you want the part to be, and you want someone to match that, and that's great. In some instances, like the Lana was a perfect case of this. She kind of came in with an incredibly formed take on the character mm-hmm. that was what was on the page but she brought her own stuff to it and subsequently as we worked together we kind of realized we all had a lot of the same ideas about where the character had come from and what it was going to be and all that but what it what it did was she had a really strong conviction in the way she was going with it and and that was what really you know I think made us kind of sit up and go wow like this works mm-hmm. now sometimes that happens an actor will come in and with a really strong take on a character, and it's not what you're thinking, but you see like the talent and the ability in that, and then you start to get into like doing adjustments and seeing and and working with them and getting the sense of how they work. But like, I think the idea of like really having like a, a take on what you're doing that is very specific to you 
And, you know, it's, it's kind of like what Eddie was saying earlier about with the writing process, which is don't necessarily try to think about what is marketable, what the market wants, write what you're passionate about. Find your way into the character, the way that you're going to be yeah. able to do it the best. Because everyone's going to have their own way that plays to their strengths that they can do. Go for that rather than trying to be someone else. Yeah. A couple of podcasts ago, we were lucky enough to talk to Connie Britton, mm-hmm. and she said almost verbatim exactly. what you just said. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I... We stole it. Yeah. Adam yeah, stole it. I got Connie and Connie all the time. Did you talk to <laughs> listen to Friday Night Lights. <laughs> no, but that's... She said, like, she said her career changed, you know, for the better a long time ago when she realized, like, stop trying to be what somebody wants me to be yeah. and bring... Mm-hmm the part of the bring the thing that nobody else can do because it's me yeah yeah which and that's exactly yeah. right and, and and she's super talented and i'm sure that's also a huge part of why she's successful because when you do that when it matches with what you're bringing and what they're looking for that's when you get to like like magical amazing places yeah you know yeah that's you know if i i, I loved friday Night lights and she was my favorite um actor mm. on the show yeah, and, me too. And, and it was because out of nowhere you're like wow she just seems so natural and yeah. so yeah. real. Yeah. And then you just started to understand her point of view. And then you started to watch the show through her point of view and be like, you know what, coach, you do need to tape. <laughs> you know? and, and so it was like, that's, that's the thing is she yeah. brought herself. And, and, yeah. and what we always say is we have one thing in mind, but we're hoping the actor brings another thing. And it's that yeah. third way that is really the yeah. greatest. So it's like, you know, we, we wrote these, the scene, the Rumpelstiltskin, but Bobby gave it all its, life yeah yeah and then you start to notice things he'll do with his hand or the way he'll say something and you start to write to that or he'll start yeah, to notice and then that's cool we call it the weave where it's like if you're really in tune with an actor you're both you're both creating this third thing mm-hmm. the weave that's the cool. weave yeah. and so it's like yeah. and then, you know i i often will send uh songs that we were writing the scenes to yeah. to the actors and uh, uh more than a few times bobby will have been like that's crazy i was listening to this <gasps> one wow so like that's that's the perfect way because you don't want them to just do what you want you want them to bring something different that yeah you can then take credit for later yeah you know, but, <laughs> yeah yeah you can but then i think that's the most exciting yeah. part of this pr- whole process is the collaboration yeah. of it yeah. you know getting to see your words come to life and then taking from that too yeah i mean i remember bobby is a great example of this and when we were doing the pilot you know we we had been huge fans of him forever so we we'd written the character how we'd written it and we were super excited to see how he would bring it to life and we did our table read before and during the table read, you know, when whenever it gets one of his lines, he just kind of read it without doing anything. And we're like, okay, he's holding back. We're going to see what's going to happen when we get on set. And I remember we get on set and we were shooting a scene in like this cave prison where his character's in prison and Snow White comes up to the, the prison bars to talk to him. And when, uh, when he finally kind of comes out of the darkness for the first right. time <laughs> as a character and starts to speak as the Rumpelstiltskin character to her, we were watching on the monitors and we could literally see Ginny Goodwin like jump back because yeah. it was so startlingly scary and amazing. And we like, and I remember looking at Eddie in the monitor we're like, like this. We just, just, knew. Uh, we just yeah. knew it right there. Yeah. But it was like, he had this incredible idea of how he would make this character come to life and then just went for it. And it was amazing. 
That's so cool. I, I love that scene. I yeah. know exactly what scene yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, me it's too. very scary. <laughs> so for the for the people who aren't the series regulars, for the people who mm-hmm. are when so I assume mostly you're watching tapes, because obviously you guys aren't yes. flying up to Vancouver every week. Right. So I mean I'm sure you spend a good amount of time. Yeah. But yeah, we we've had a couple guests that have said that are either directors or um, showrunners like you guys, uh, or creators like you guys, uh, say they they respond to an actor who surprises them in yeah. an audition. Do you feel like that happens frequently too? Like with and that that you respond like, or would you not phrase it quite? I don't know. I mean, I think that's a, a kind of another way of saying what I was saying. What you're before, saying, I which agree. Is bringing something, bringing your own thing, bring your own yeah. thing to it, and it's you know, any any time you feel like it's it's. It's like there, there's a couple ways you're right. Sometimes it's like, wow, this is exactly what I thought. This is perfect. Great. Let's do it. And then sometimes it's that other thing where it's, I didn't even think about it this way. And this is amazing. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's anything that kind of makes you sit forward and go, wow. You, you're looking for someone who becomes the character and makes it natural. So right. you're no longer seeing the acting mm-hmm. or you're just lost in it. And, you know, for me, it was, I remember we were doing Captain Hook. We just got the rights to be able to do Captain mm-hmm. Hook, so it was a very big role, and we wanted it to be a love interest for for Emma, who was Jennifer Morrison. And um, I was watching, I was watching it, and then I saw Colin, who who mm-hmm. eventually got the role, and I was like, huh. And then I watched it again, and I just hear this voice behind me, and I just hear this, "You better effing hire him." <laughs> it was my wife. And I was like, her reaction based with my instinct. And then we got in the next morning and it was like universal. So Uh every once in a while, someone just kind of becomes the character in front of your eye. And in between two people who didn't, it's, it's, it's easier. But the key is, is, you know, you're, you're. You're trying to bring this person to life in a real way, mm-hmm. and that and that is what you're looking for. Is your is is it doesn't matter if they hit every note the way you wanted to. It doesn't matter that you're just looking for that authenticity. Yeah, I'd love to ask you guys just switch gears for a second about um, writers, like your writing team, especially because nowadays you know actors are writing and writers are acting. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's a there's a different kind of switch over than there used to be. But do you? What 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 advice would you give to a young up and coming or not even up and coming, a young writer who's wanting to break into the business nowadays in terms of getting the attention of guys like you, you know? Well, you know, that's a tough question. I, I would yeah. say, you know, it kind of, again, goes back to what Eddie was saying. Write what you're passionate about. Yeah. Just find the stories you want to tell them and work on your own voice. And when you're starting out, worry less about the business and getting noticed and then just kind of having something to say and saying it in a way only you can say. And then, you know, and then as you, you know, if you're in LA and you start to meet people, just find your people who will read your stuff. And I mean, it's how we did it. We just gave scripts to friends who gave to friends and, you know, but I think, you know, everyone's going to learn the lesson. It's the same, which is you're going to write the one that you believe in. That's very pure. And mm-hmm. you get in the business, and if two people pass on it, then the next one you're like, well, then I have to write something that people like superheroes. Right, right, right. And maybe you hate superheroes, but you think <laughs> you should write that, and you can see it in the writing. Mm-hmm. And so also you're looking for thinking. What's the originality of their thinking? What kind of – because so much of yeah. writing is problem solving. So when you get like a really clever idea or a hook or something within it that's done in a fresh way, it's kind of like – you may hate the script, but love this one scene, and that one scene may get the right of the job. Right. You know? So right. sometimes, yeah. you yeah. know, um, on a TV show, it's much different because you read a script, and then you have them come in for a meeting, 
And so by the time they've come in for a meeting, you've already, okay, I like your script. It's really like, do, you, do I want them on the road trip? Yeah. Because you're in a room with them for eight hours a day, yeah. every day. Yeah. And so it starts to become about how do they think? How do they handle things? But yeah. I think that, like, that's almost the biggest part, which is how do they think? And I think one other thing, when we meet with writers for the show, one, one of the questions we always ask them is, we clearly like their script that we've read, is how did you get the idea? What made you write this? And just start to see what the process is, what brought them to yeah. to writing this particular story. And what other things have you written and why did you write it? And just start to get a sense of, you know, who they are as a person. Because that's that's the thing. It's like, you know, and on a television show, you want everybody to sort of be able to write the voice of the show. But ideally, you want people to be able to bring something unique so that it all kind of becomes greater. The sum is greater than the parts. Right, right. I love, Eddie, how you said so much of writing is problem solving. Mm-hmm. I, and we're sitting right now in a, in a room with whiteboards where yeah. there's a lot of notes on boards yeah. that kind of make my head spin when I look at them. Me, because me it's too. Like, I, yeah, it's like, Unfortunately, wow. I have to write it out. <laughs> <laughs> but just thinking about, like, that is, you're right. That's all problem solving, like figuring out. Mm-hmm. how to how to, how to answer all those yeah. questions and, and how, yeah. how does this character get here well i love this idea but yeah. this idea means this character to make it believable has and... to get from new york to la in one scene that doesn't make any sense yeah 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 it's it's there's just a huge it's a big mixture of sort of the the macro and the micro which is like kind of solving the problem of the story and mm-hmm. what the, the larger things is but then making sure all your moments feel as real as possible and and Mm -hmm. relatable and are either moving or funny or sad or whatever it is and it's a lot which is why for us it's good to have another person (laughs) yeah i you know what i love too about what you're saying is it's just it's it's so it's so similar to acting it's so similar to directing it's it's all about how do you find the solution you know Mm -hmm. how do you get from as the character from this place to this place how do you go into the audition room and be authentic and actually portray the words that are being said but in a real way you know like all of it is about this really cool Mm -hmm. collaborative process i'd love to ask you guys quickly we're getting close to our time but just about social media which is something that i struggle with (laughs) and as you guys coming up in the 90s so like i imagine like it's something you've had to Mm -hmm. you know learn to embrace also um and a lot of your cast seems to be uh very heavily represented Mm -hmm. in social media which is which is great and i'm just wondering if if that's something that you consider no no, i mean you don't think about it yeah we've never tweet you don't tweet i don't but Congratulations. I, I, I love that. I don't. I mean I, that I genuinely. I, you know, listen, I've gone through every phase and Lost was the beginning. And it's yeah. like, oh, they recapped my episode. <laughs> then you read comments. Genius. Wow. This is great. Worst writer ever. Did you right. see the last thing? And right. you start to go through it and you feel horrible and you're being pulled off it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you, the internet started to take over and yeah. it becomes an echo chamber. And it's very wow. rare that people get really passionate and love something want to write about it it's a lot easier to go and hate and start a fight and yeah. get your wow. anger out so i started to realize that everything on it was was not very was constructive negative. yeah or even if it wasn't negative i wasn't looking at the positive and yeah what, and people always say to us you know do you hire an actor because they have a twitter feed no yeah and the other thing is we don't take um advice from the internet people always say oh well, do you do you get ideas it's like well if i listen to everyone's idea the show wouldn't make sense this character would be both dead alive married pregnant and a single and so for me the the what's cool is 
the there's a community of Once Upon a Time fans who yeah. get together on a Sunday and they watch together. Yeah. But I feel that that is for them, and I'm not invited, nor should I crash it. Right. right. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. So once yeah. the door closes, I don't want to know what they're saying behind me about about yeah. it. And yeah. so, so that's my feeling. You do tweets. So you do, deal with it more you know, than but I, I do a lot less than I used to. I mean, I... What I love to do is, I love what Eddie says, is that there's a community of fans around the show who are passionate about it. So I love to engage in the sense of giving them little bits of scripts of, that are coming up or behind-the-scenes things or photos and stuff so that yeah. you know we can share stuff from the show that they hopefully like. But but as Eddie says, it's it can't be a place that you go to for reasoned criticism. It, it's, 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 a, it's a tough <laughs> thing because it is like, the fans feel rightfully an ownership on the show because the show's on because they watch it, but it, with the same respect, can't write the show as they demand. Right. They so I'm happy that they all get together, even if they hate watch it or there's a community. I was a deadhead. I love that. Yeah. I don't want to be a party to it, so you don't need to include Nobody's me. Nobody's hate watching it. Yeah. You don't need to, like, you know, include me on what you think should happen. Like, right. That's, I'm not going to listen. Right. Right. I think that's very healthy. I mean, that's like actors not reading reviews, which yeah. which I, I which know many should. don't. Yeah. No, it's um, a problem is if you if you believe the good reviews, you have to believe the bad reviews. Right, right, and, right. You know, and, right. You, and then you, you yeah. can just get caught up in, in too much stuff and it clouds your thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sad because, you know, there, 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 there could have been a constructive way in the internet, but there's just so much noise and anger and hatred right now that For it's sure. like people have somehow decided this is the way to feel powerful in a powerless world and yeah. I, I just can't. Yeah. This was a show about hope. So when I see two 15-year-olds fighting about who Emma should date, <laughs> it kind of makes me sick because yeah, it's like yeah. this is the show for people to not have your to, – to escape from your high school. Right. Who, where do I sit at yeah. lunch problems? And then when I see two people attacking each other over a fictitious character, <laughs> it bums me out because it's like for a show about hope, how did it devolve into a, a fictitious relationship ruins your life? Yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> right. maybe there's something else. Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe there's another hobby then. But keep, but keep watching. <laughs> keep watching. I mean, I'm not saying don't buy DVDs because you should. You definitely should. You definitely should. So we always love to end with um, asking if there's any LA-isms that you guys can think of, like something that is unique to LA. Yeah. Uh, well, what I found is that uh, when I need time alone to think and I want to go on a hike, I have to avoid the canyons or I'll run into everyone I know. <laughs> it's true. That's very true. Everybody's hiking the canyon in LA. I I would just say um, stay off the freeways. If <laughs> yeah. I can just avoid <laughs> however I commute, I just stay off the freeways. It's always faster that way despite what ways might tell you. Yes, that is Love true. That LA too. freeways are nobody's friend. No. <laughs> Well, thank you guys, you guys so much. Yeah. Thank Thanks for having us. This was Amazing. fantastic, and I'm sure Such will be so helpful to so oh, many people. Great. I hope so. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We know you have big actor dreams, and we really want to help you. For more insider tips on the LA film and TV industry, go to ispeakla.com and subscribe today. And of course, look for us at all the regular places, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time.